Volume One, Chapter Seven of Gwen Wen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chieko. Gwen Wen, A Romance of the Y by Maine Reed. Chapter Seven. An Inveterate Novel Reader. While these exciting incidents are passing upon the river, Langorn Court is wrapped in that stately repose, becoming an aristocratic residence, especially where an elderly spinster is head of the house, and there are no noisy children to go romping about. It is thus with Langorn, whose ostensible mistress is Miss Linton, the aunt and legal guardian already alluded to. But though presiding over the establishment, it is rather in the way of ornamental figurehead, since she takes little to do with its domestic affairs, leaving them to a skilled housekeeper who carries the keys kitchen matters are not much to miss linton's taste being a dame of the antique brocaded type with pleasant memories of the past that go back to bath and cheltenham where in their days of glory as hers of youth she was a belle and did her share of dancing with a due proportion of flirting at the regency balls no longer able to indulge in such delightful recreations the memory of them has yet charms for her and she keeps it alive and warm by daily perusal of the morning post with a fuller hebdomadal feast from the court journal and other distributors of fashionable intelligence in addition she reads no end of novels her favourites being those which tell of cupid in his most romantic escapades and experiences though not always the chastest of the prurient trash there is a plenteous supply furnished by scribblers of both sexes who ought to know better and doubtless do but knowing also how difficult it is to make their lucubrations interesting within the legitimate lines of literary art and how easy out of them thus transgress the moralities miss linton need have no fear that the impure stream will cease to flow any more than the limpid waters of the wye nor has she but reads on devouring volume after volume in triunes as they issue from the press and are sent her from the circulating library at nearly all hours of the day and some of the night does she so occupy herself even on this same bright april morn when all nature rejoices and every living thing seems to delight in being out of doors when the flowers expand their petals to catch the kisses of the warm spring sun dorothea linton is seated in a shady corner of the drawing-room up to her ears in a three-volume novel still odorous of printer's ink and binder's paste absorbed in a love dialogue between a certain lord lutestring and a rustic damsel daughter of one of his tenant farmers whose life he is doing his best to blight and with much likelihood of succeeding if he fail it will not be for want of will on his part nor desire of the author to save the imperiled one he will make the tempted iniquitous as the tempter should this seem to add interest to the tale or promote the sale of the book just as his lordship has gained a point and the girl is about to give way miss linton herself receives a shock caused by a rat-tat at the drawing-room door light such as well-trained servants are accustomed to give before entering a room occupied by master or mistress to her command come in a footman presents himself silver waiter in hand on which is a card she is more than annoyed almost angry as taking the card she reads reverend william musgrave only to think of being thus interrupted on the eve of such an interesting climax which seemed about to seal the fate of the farmer's daughter it is fortunate for his reverence that before entering within the room another visitor is announced and ushered in along with him indeed the second caller is shown in first for although george shenstone rung the front door-bell after mr musgrave had stepped inside the hall 
there is no domestic of Lingorn but knows the difference between a rich baronet's son and a poor parish curate, as which should have precedence. To this nice, if not very delicate appreciation, the Reverend William is now indebted more than he is aware. It has saved him from an outburst of Miss Linton's rather tart temper, which under the circumstances otherwise he would have caught. For it so chances that the son of Sir George Shenstone is a great favourite with the old lady of Lingorn, welcome at all times, even amid the romantic gallantries of Lord Lutestring. Not that the young country gentleman has anything in common with the titled Lothario, who is habitually a dweller in cities. Instead, the former is a frank, manly fellow, devoted to field sports and rural pastimes, a little brusque in manner, but for all well-bred and, what is even better, well-behaved. There is nothing odd in his calling at that early hour. Sir George is an old friend of the Wynne family, was an intimate associate of Gwen's deceased father, and both he and his son have been accustomed to look in at Langorn Court sans ceremony. No more is Mr. Musgrave's matutinal visit out of order, though but the curate he is in full charge of parish duties, the rector being not only aged but an absentee, so long away from the neighbourhood as to have become almost a myth to it, for this reason, his vicarial representative can plead scores of excuses for presenting himself at the court. There is the school, the church choir, and clothing club, to say not of neighboring news, which on most mornings make him a welcome visitor to Miss Linton, and no doubt would on this, but for the glamour thrown around her by the fascinations of the dear, delightful lute-string. It even takes all her partiality for Mr. Shenstone to remove its spell, and get him vouchsafed friendly reception miss linton he says speaking first i've just dropped in to ask if the young ladies would go for a ride the day's so fine i thought they might like to ah indeed returns the spinster holding out her fingers to be touched but under the plea of being a little invalided excusing herself from rising yes no doubt they would like it very much mr shenstone is satisfied with the reply but less the curate who neither rides nor has a horse unless shenstone himself indeed both as the lady proceeds they have been listening with ears all alert for the sound of soft footsteps and rustling dresses instead they hear words not only disappointing but perplexing nay i am sure continues miss linton with provoking coolness they would have been glad to go riding with you delighted but why can't they asked shenstone impatiently interrupting because the thing's impossible they've already gone rowing indeed cried both gentlemen in a breath seeming alike vexed by the intelligence shenstone mechanically interrogating on the river certainly answers the lady looking surprised why george where else could they go rowing you don't suppose they've brought the boat up to the fish-pond oh no he stammers out i beg pardon how very stupid of me to ask such a question i was only wondering why miss gwen that is i am a little astonished but perhaps you'll think it impertinent of me to ask another question why should i what is it only whether whether she miss gwen i mean said anything about writing to-day not a word at least not to me how long since they went off may i know miss linton oh hours ago very early indeed just after taking breakfast i wasn't down myself as i've told you not feeling very well this morning but gwen's maid informs me they left the house then and i presume they went direct to the river do you think they'll be out long earnestly interrogates shenstone 
i should hope not returns the ancient toast of cheltenham with aggravating indifference for lute-string is not quite out of her thoughts there's no knowing however miss wynn is accustomed to come and go without much consulting me this with some acerbity possibly from the thought that the days of her legal guardianship are drawing to a close which will make her a less important personage at Langorn. surely they won't be out all day timidly suggests the curate to which she makes no rejoinder till mr shenstone puts it in the shape of an inquiry is it likely they will miss linton i should say not more like they'll be hungry and that will bring them home what's the hour now i've been reading a very interesting book and quite forgot myself is it possible she exclaims looking at the ormolu dial on the mantel-shelf ten minutes to one how time does fly to be sure i couldn't have believed it near so late almost luncheon-time of course you'll stay gentlemen as for the girls if they're not back in time they'll have to go without punctuality is the rule of this house always will be with me i shan't wait one minute for them but miss linton they may have returned from the river and are now somewhere about the grounds shall i run down to the boat-dock and see it is mr shenstone who thus interrogates if you like by all means i shall be too thankful shame of gwen to give us so much trouble she knows our luncheon hour and should have been back by this thanks much mr shenstone as he is bounding off she calls after don't you be staying too else you shan't have a pit mr musgrave and i won't wait for any of you shall we mr musgrave shenstone has not tarried to hear either question or answer a luncheon for apicius were at that moment nothing to him and little more to the curate who though staying would gladly go along not from any rivalry with or jealousy of the baronet's son they revolve in different orbits with no danger of collision simply that he dislikes leaving miss linton alone indeed dare not she may be expecting the usual budget of neighbourhood intelligence he daily brings her he is mistaken on this particular day it is not desired out of courtesy to mr shenstone rather than herself she had laid aside the novel and it now requires all she can command to keep her eyes off it she is burning to know what befell the farmer's daughter End of chapter 7